Hey, how's it going? This is Craig Cannon, and you're listening to Y Combinator's podcast. Today's episode is with Vivek Ravasankar. And Vivek is the CEO and co-founder of HackerRank, which was in the summer 2011 batch. HackerRank is a technical recruiting platform that assesses developers based on coding skills. And you can find them at hackerrank.com. All right, here we go. All right, Vivek, why don't we start with what you guys do, and then we'll rewind to before you even did YC. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I'm Vivek, one of the founders and CEO of HackerRank. Uh, our mission at HackerRank is to match every developer to the right job with the uh, underlying driver being skill. I mean, so resumes are just a very poor correlation to skill. So that's how we got started. Uh, the way what we do as a product, as a developer, uh, you could come on to HackerRank to practice and improve your skills across different dimensions, whether that's algorithms or artificial intelligence or database skills. And when you're applying to a company, instead of going through the traditional route of uploading a resume and it's mostly going to be a black hole, you take a company's coding challenge. Mm -hmm. So if you want to apply to Airbnb, you take an Airbnb's coding challenge. If you want to apply to VMware, you take a VMware's coding challenge. And if you have the required skills, basically we automate the whole code and give you a report. Mm -hmm. Then you get called in for an interview. So it's great for developers because it's a merit-based process. It's great for companies because now you're able to attract the right developers for their interview process. Yeah. And what might one of those challenges look like? For instance, Airbnb, are we being put into the code base in any way? What would it look like? Yeah, I think it varies. So we've given, we built a platform where it's super custom for companies to go ahead and create. Uh, so you could have a simple problem-solving challenge to something close to a real world where you could have a uh, you could give an access to our github repo okay and people can go ahead and modify the code fix a bug on your on your repo to go ahead and do it so that's a wide range of problems that you could give on the platform okay gotcha so you guys haven't always been doing this correct in is in its exact instantiation yeah so let's go backwards yeah uh, before yc what were you working on yeah sure uh so uh, so Hari is my co-founder. Right. Uh, we uh, we knew each other from college. We used to do a bunch of things together in college. Okay. Um, and we started uh, we started the company. Technically, we quit our jobs. I used to work at Amazon as a developer before this, uh -huh. um, where I did a lot of technical interviews, which is kind of where I saw the problem. Yeah. Uh, you know, the resumes were not a good correlation to skills. So we quit our job. Um, the the way we started to do the we thought that the way to solve this problem of resumes not correlating skills was to help prepare students for their interviews. So we started Interview Street. That was our first version. Mm -hmm. uh, and what it did was mock interviews. So let's say you had an interview call with Amazon or Google next week. You could come onto our site and attend a mock interview with either somebody from Amazon or somebody, an ex-Amazon person who can give you a walkthrough of here are the things. We'll do a mock interview and... Um, give you what what are the areas that you need to improve, where do you stand, and all of those things. And the students would be paying these people for their time? That's right. Okay. So it's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be hard for people to comprehend uh, the value here in the U.S. because we were doing it in India, but we were charging 350 rupees, uh, okay. Indian currency, for from the student. And uh, 200, and we used to pay 250 rupees to the, um, to the interviewer. Okay. So, so 100 rupees goes to our pocket. Right. Um, so you could almost imagine that to be something on the lines of, um, I mean, technically it's $6 and $5, yeah. um, but, but as you mean, you earn different amounts, yeah, different yeah. amounts, you could say a student would pay 
$200, something like that. And an interviewer will get about $150 okay. here. So then if you, if you then think about it in that way, it's, it was pretty expensive for students. Uh, and we didn't have any good payment gateways or anything of that in India. So we used to set up campus ambassadors in different colleges. <laughs> okay. And uh, Hari and I used to do a trip every month to visit all of these colleges to collect money from these campus ambassadors. Cash. Yeah, cash. Wow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. So our accounting was all pretty pretty funny. Um, and, and from an interviewer perspective... Yeah. Uh, 250 rupees or like 150 dollars or something on those lines here is not very is is not enticing, right? If I have to spend an hour of my time doing a mock interview and giving you feedback, is it worth it? Um, so we, I, I still have the Excel which projects us to make, I think somewhere on the lines of 100 million dollars uh, or 100 crores or whatever it's like 50 million dollars something wow. something along those lines yeah um, <laughs> given the trajectory made, in the beginning yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we made about 4,000 rupees or maybe about that's like an equivalent of 100 dollars here yeah, okay uh, after a year or a year and a half uh, so clearly, you could just drag the cells in in the Excel in whatever way you want and yeah. get the numbers, but it's very hard to execute. So that failed. I mean, we had a lot of lessons uh, that we learned from that. Uh, most importantly, I mean, the students didn't have cash. There was a lot of scheduling. And I think one of the things that YC stresses on the most, I wish we had actually done YC at that point. I, I think this was done by Paul Bouquet, make something that 100 users really, really love versus making 1,000 people or 10,000 people sort of okay-like. Okay. I think we should have focused on, you know what, we're just going to focus on these two companies, mock interviews, right? Versus any tech company anywhere in the world. And we were scrambling for interviewers from Amazon, Google, Microsoft, all over. We should have just focused, you know what, these are the three companies that we're going to focus. If you want to get a job here, you can come in too and make it really happy and then figure out a way to scale. Looking back. Yeah, of course. Um, but But did people like the product? Yeah, whenever people did the interviews, they really liked it. In fact, there was there were a lot of really interesting testimonials of people who actually attended the interviews, got their job, they knew what what are some of the areas that they need to improve, they need to prepare, and all of those things. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I mean, I remember all the interviews I did during college. Like, if I could have just gotten the email of someone yeah. at one of these companies, it would have been invaluable to yeah. me. We used to do that sort of informally in college, right? When we were in the final year of college, we used to train uh, people for sort of mock interviews and others. So this was more like an extension. Yeah. Uh, why can't you do this on over the web across everyone? Interesting. So you weren't necessarily off the mark around finding something that people really like, but you found that you kind of hit a ceiling somewhere. Um, and it was, it wasn't very focused either. So there were a lot of, there were different cohorts of people. Some of them were students. Some of them were, uh, were a couple of years into their work experience. Okay. And some of them wanted to do technical interviews. Some of them wanted to do sort of a automobile interview. And then we had to go ahead and scramble and figure out, can we get somebody from the automobile division to come and take the interview? We had no contacts. So we had to figure out a way to scramble through LinkedIn and Facebook. Uh, I think it was, it was sort of okay, uh, uh, but it really taught us to uh, to stay strong. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. And so, at, at what point do you decide you like you know what we have to change this? This isn't working. Yeah, it's probably about eighteen months. Well, we had applied to YC. Oh, you did. Uh, okay. We'd applied to Y Combinator with this idea. Of course, we got turned down. Um, then we. I think it was about 12, 15 months, something on those lines when, I mean, clearly this wasn't going anywhere. Uh, the Excel was completely off the trajectory of the Excel graph and where we were. 
Um, and then we switched our business model or idea to something different. Okay. Um, so there is a big uh, trend or that, that, that is still present in India, which is once you graduate, uh, you have to do your master's in a, in a school here. Oh. It's huge. I mean, pretty much, you know, I don't know, 80, 90% of people would uh, attempt their GRE, which is your standard way yeah. of getting here, your TOEFL, they will prepare their statement of purpose, they will do all of those. And the application form is pretty expensive. Right. Each. And so you could only apply to maybe five or six universities because it was so expensive and huh. you couldn't just... You couldn't just apply to all the schools in the U.S. So what we did was we connected people who were already studying in these schools who can review your statement of purpose, your resume, and tell you if you had a chance to come here to, um, to apply to the school. Okay. So that was our pivot. That actually took off a bit, but then after three months or so, the traffic was down to zero. Uh, turns out you can only apply twice a year. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So, so we didn't know what to do for the rest of the year. We ac- actually applied to YC even with this idea. There you go. <laughs> we got turned down. So I think this whole thing about mock interviews, applying, helping people apply for their masters, prepare, yeah. um, maybe a year and a half to two, something on those lines. Okay. Uh, that that we worked on. Yeah. Okay, and then what sparked you to start working on where you are now? Yeah, we were close to bankrupt. (laughs) So there was a real need. And, um, you know, of course, we had really good jobs. um, And Amazon was, uh, was a great, was a great company to work with. Were you in India working on Amazon? Yeah, yeah. all all of this is in India. Okay. Uh, And uh, so then we realized, okay. So just to pause you really quickly, how are you making the connections of people here if you were based in India. Sure. So what we did was we used to uh, take the directory of people from our school who went ahead and did masters uh, at all of these different universities uh, and who are working in different companies. So we used to go through the directory, keep calling people, email them, hey, are you interested? We are from from the same university. (laughs) We put that university touch in uh, to get them on board. So it was was just friends, networks, second degree. And uh, I used to to make, I don't know, 50 calls every day uh, to get this going. Okay. And and just for context for me, uh, people from India you want to do a master's here because it's a like a gateway to getting a job here or what um i don't know how it started maybe it was just i i think a, i i think it is it's sort of a checkbox okay <laughs> uh, i'm not sure that this changed now but it was definitely i mean i graduated eight years back yeah. it was uh, or nine years back it was definitely a uh, a pride. Okay, you know what? I'm going to do my master's here, and and there's of course some glamour associated with the great American dream coming here and getting working in this in the Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley is sort of this mythical place for all technology developers to be here. Okay. Um, so it was more like a checkbox. I still think it is the case uh, that you you would have to apply if you had good GPAs and if you had good grades. The question is, why aren't you going? Why aren't you applying for a master's? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Even among the like the very talented, smart kids going to great schools in India. Yeah, for sure. Like, I think it's why aren't you applying come. for a master's? Why aren't you doing your PhD here in one of in Carnegie Mellon or Stanford or Purdue? And there are a lot of actually, I might Hari and I might actually be the odd odd man out. 
Because um, you didn't do it. Yeah, we didn't yeah, do it. Yeah, exactly. And, and I'm happy because I'd applied to six schools and yeah. all of them turned me down. <laughs> I was so re- dejected when the yeah. last school turned me down. But in hindsight, it's great because right. I don't think we would have started the company if I'd come here. No, probably not. It yeah. is the conservative move. Yes. And uh, you have to, once you graduate, you'd have to get a job because you have to pay back the loan, which is pretty big. Uh-huh. So you, you do two years of master's, then you do two to three years of working in different companies to pay back the loan. And there's all of these visas things and by the time you you want to start you're already i don't know close to five six years invested in this it's Um, really common and the friction to or the inertia to go ahead and start another company when you're happy working at amazon or google is going to be hard yeah yeah definitely and so okay so you're basically out of money yeah we're close to close to bankrupt Yeah. yeah 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 and uh and yeah, so we had we had a clear choice, which is we could go back uh, and get a job. I think we could have got that, uh, <laughs> but something we just wanted to keep going. We just wanted to try try this out once more. Um, and I have no idea what kept us going at that point in time. Uh, and and there was some uh, conversation we were just walking around, which was it sounds obvious. Hey, if you have to make money, you have to sell something to people who have money. <laughs> 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 Otherwise, there is no way that right. you're going to make any money. Uh, we were selling to students and others who were already in whatever they had called student debt and they had uh, very little money. Um, so that's when we said, hey, uh, can we invert this, which is can we build a product for companies uh, to help them identify the right developers based on our skills. Of course, we didn't have the mission uh, uh, written down, like match every developer to the right job. But yeah. looking back, I think that was the core of every decision that we made. Um, and, uh, and, and we felt, you know, we'll still stay true to our core because it doesn't, it's mock interviews is one way of doing this. But if you actually give a platform that can enable developers from, it doesn't matter which school did you go to, which company you went, but you you have a chance to showcase your skills and get the dream job that you want, then that's great. You know, we should build a platform for that. You know, that's how we got started and that got the early traction. So that was the third time we applied to YC. <laughs> okay. uh, and yeah, YC called us that time. Oh, all right. Yeah. And was it because you were showing significant growth at the time or the idea was just working out? I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I definitely didn't want to ask, why did, why are you guys calling <laughs> us now? Because I didn't <laughs> want to spoil mistake? the chance. <laughs> yeah. Is this a mistake? Are you sure? Uh, so that was our first trip to the u.s Um, oh man yeah so and 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 we had some struggles there as well Hari, my co-founder couldn't get his visa uh to come here and uh i still think it's the stance of yc but yc cares about co-founders a lot uh and so so i got my visa Hari couldn't get and so i flew in here just for the 10 minute interview um this was yeah six years back um and fortunately, we got in. And, and I remember, you know, I think I think there was a panel of interviews. It was PG, Sam, Harge, Jessica, and Paul Bouquet. Those were the five people interviewing Whoa. me. Okay. Um, and, you know, that's the first... I landed in the morning and the evening was the YC interview because <laughs> I couldn't get my visa on time. So um, you were the last day of interviews? Yeah, last day of interviews. L- probably um, the last one, like in yeah, the evening. Yeah, it could be, yeah. could be the last one as yeah. well. Uh, could have been... Uh, and then you, you see all these five people as a creator of Gmail. This, uh, you're obviously a little yeah. stressed. And then you don't have a co-founder. And PG asked, where is your co-founder? He said, you're going to his visa. Um, but it was a, it was a good intense 10 minute. Uh, and frankly, I didn't think we'd get into YC. Uh, so it was, 
and and maybe it worked to our advantage because I was just completely open and honest about everything because I I didn't I didn't fake any of my answers or try to impress them. Look, this is the problem. I really want to come here and and go ahead and do this, and it probably worked out to our advantage. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, so what you were working on before has this separate difficulty in the application because you have to educate someone about what it's like in India versus here yeah. where we have the exact same problem of like, oh, we, we're this company, we have all these jobs, yeah. we don't have enough engineers. Yeah. Like, yeah. let's sort this out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think there is a, there is an inter- there is a different um, uh, way things... I mean, yeah, you're right, the environment is different. I mean, I remember um, uh, I used uh, PGs... So I didn't have... Uh, so I used to sit in the Pioneer Way office, White yeah. Combinator office for, for most part. Actually, our first office was right opposite to the really? YC Pioneer office. Yeah, yeah. It was the Rethink DB's old office, okay. which we actually took. Uh, so it was right opposite. Um, so I used to be in, in White Combinator for most part. I remember um, I took PG's charger, Mac charger, mi- by mistake, home. <laughs> and this was the second day or the third day. And I was, I was, I was so... Kind of, I didn't know what to do because, oh my God, what is PG going to think? And then I started emailing. I'm really, really sorry. I took your charger. He said, no problem. Just keep it, just keep it there tomorrow. And I said, okay, are you going to come in tomorrow? And he said, he's not going to come in tomorrow. Um, I, because the, the way at least I was brought up and uh, for most part in India is if you, if you keep a charger or if you keep the Amazon box right outside the door, it, 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 somebody is going to take it away, right? <laughs> yeah. um, and even the even the tiny things. And then I had to. You have to learn about how the environment is different, uh, how people talk, how people react to it. Uh, and the, the dinner time here is six thirty. So I, I remember sending a calendar invite for dinner to to. Uh, person that I want to recruit for 9 p.m. And he said, that's kind of my bedtime, so I, I can't meet you in 9 p.m. So there are all of these things that you have to learn. And it's not just the macro part of the developer, right. uh, how it works, but even the tiny things about how you interact, how you work with people and all of those things you have to learn. Yeah. yeah. Has that been incorporated into your product? Because, you know, I imagine you have all yeah. these international people applying yeah. to U.S. companies. Yeah. How do you help educate them on the cultural norms? Yeah, no, it is, it is a really good question because right from um, how you um sort of how the the types of sentences or words that you use um uh, varies quite a bit between what you would say to somebody in asia what you would say somebody to you in uk and what you would say somebody here uh so all of those nuances we need to take care of because you you want there is a there is a different cultural aspect uh, on how you sell how you talk um how you get people going here it's really difficult um how long did it take you in particular i think it's a forever learning i don't (laughs) think i've perfected it Uh, i've gotten my dinner time now at 7 p.m (laughs) i've I've shifted a little uh but uh but i think it's a constant learning i I don't think i don't think it's ever going to stop yeah my friend moved to india for a couple years and he explained the exact thing opposite yeah Yeah, it was tough for him yeah i mean every i mean it's it's just the way you you grow up is different i mean there's nothing there's nothing that's right or wrong it's just different and you have to get used to it uh and I and I remember PG and Sam uh, correcting me from everything to um, the, even the tiny nuances. So in India, you would probably say programmer. You would add the A at the end, but here people will not be able to follow. It's programmer, right? Uh-huh. So if you have to say, and when I when I was doing my demo day pitches, all of these little things mattered because it was just a five minute pitch or. 
No, I think it was a two minute or a five minute pitch for the, in, in the demo day. Uh, and every little thing matters a lot uh, because when, when you're talking to investors. So it's not just the accent, but how you talk, how you schedule meetings, how you follow up and, and everything is different. Yeah. Demo day is tough universally because, I mean, you're pitching a yeah. group. I think you said your batch was like 60 or 70. Yeah, I think, I think our batch was 63 or 65. Yeah. And uh, so that's enough companies for yeah. one to just fall into like monotony yeah. like, murr, 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 yeah, and no yeah, one pays yeah. attention. But, but interestingly, I really enjoyed it uh, because I've never been exposed to, uh, uh, exposed to such a large group of investors. <laughs> and uh, I, I was, I couldn't even sleep the previous day. I was looking forward to it. Look, I wanted to pitch and get, get a series A going. Uh, so I, I, I frankly enjoyed it. I was looking forward to it. That's uh, very cool. Yeah. Um, so you raise money after YC yeah. and you're committed. You're like, okay, we're going to stay in California at this point. Yeah. I mean, after I came here to Mountain View and I don't know, maybe that's, that's, that's partially the reason, uh, the first city, well, I technically landed in San Francisco, but immediately sure, yeah. took a cab and came to Mountain View. It was, um, I, I just, I, I think everything, everything looked great <laughs> for, for most part. I mean, the, right from the, uh, kind of the people that you interact with, the advice that you get, the weather, the food, uh, sort of the perfect mix for me of coming from India. Uh, you had the weather similar to Bangalore and the food similar to Bangalore and Chennai. And then you had all the people that, that I really wanted to talk and get advice from in right. terms of building a company. So it, it was the perfect mix, at least for me. So I, I was very much determined to stay here and uh, build a company. Man, what was that like, you know, flying here and then seeing all the people who you like, you read their blog posts, you know, yeah. PG is an easy example. Yeah. yeah. What, what was that experience like? Yeah, it was, uh, it was kind of surreal. I, I didn't know it was, um, uh, as I said, I, I thought I was going to just stammer and, uh, and, and flunk the interview. But, uh, like I mentioned, I didn't think we'd get in. Uh, actually, we were the first Indian based company to get into Y Combinator. Really? Uh, yeah. Oh, and uh, so that was another quote unquote, um, I don't know if it helped or didn't help because we thought, okay, they've never chosen a completely Indian based <laughs> company. So our odds are low. Um, that really helped because I was just completely free and open, but it was great. It was great to meet all of the, uh, all of the people that you admire far off from reading their blog posts or Twitter or watching their videos. Yeah. yeah. And what were your, what were your greatest learnings from the experience? From YC? Yeah. Um, I think the, the intensity was very, very high, um, okay. because there was, um, there was a dinner every week and, uh, you, I mean, each, I, I noticed that each founder had their own set of people that they interacted with. Of course, I interacted with a lot of them, but you, you talk to a few people and, and then you hear their updates every week. That's, um, uh, and, and you want to push harder and you have a, you have a fixed deadline three months down three right. months. You have a demo day, which you have to go and present to investors. So you have a fixed demo, a fixed timeline to, to make sure that you have a good prototype. You have good possibly paying customers to go ahead and do it. And I think the bar is continuing to increase, right, at uh, every demo day. Um, so I think the intensity, uh, I think the learning is, I still think Hari and I have that intensity for most part, which is good. Wow. Uh, How do you keep you, it up? Because um, people talk about this all the time. They're like, it's so cool having a cohort that you can kind of benchmark yourself yeah, against. Yeah. But once you're out, you're kind of out. Yeah, um, I don't know. Maybe we're just, uh, <laughs> it's DNA or we're just, uh, consistently hungry to win. Okay. But, uh, I think the challenge is, can you extend that across the entire company? 
I don't think we've done that. We've done an okay job at that. Right. Uh, so I think that's something that we still need to get better at. Yeah. That's a challenge. So sort of fast forward massively yeah. to now. Yeah. The reason we started talking about doing the podcast in general yeah. was that you guys released this developer skills report. Yeah. yeah. So just for folks who haven't seen it, can you explain it? Yeah, sure. So uh, we have uh, a developer community that's over... Uh, I think it's 3.4 million as of uh, as of last week. Wow, uh, that's slightly over 10 percent of the world's developer population who come who come to HackerRank to solve challenges, to practice their skills, and get better. And one of the things that we wanted to do was to learn more about our developers. So we sent a survey. Uh, actually, it had 40 questions. Okay. There was a lot of debate. You know, we'll develop. Firstly, we'll developers attend the survey. <laughs> And then you're sending a survey to developers with 40 questions, uh, something on the, on those lines. What are the odds that somebody is actually going to fill this? So we sent this to a million of our active developers. Whoa. Um, and it was amazing. We got close to 40,000 people complete the survey. That was huge. Yeah. Uh, I think Stack Overflow had 60,000 and they have uh, 20 million developers or so. So if you compare the ratio, the engagement and how many people completed the survey was giant. And huh. hopefully we're gonna, we, we can beat Stack Overflow's number next year. Yeah. What uh, was your like uh, email subject line? How'd you get so many people to convert? That's a good question. And we, we did A-B test, uh, but maybe Nicola or our marketing team, Ritika, uh, <laughs> they might have a better idea on uh, on what was the subject line. Um, but we did A-B test yeah. uh, a few things. And we, we also uh, tested on the timing, you know, when to send to which cohort, uh, depending on the country, depending on the geography and all of the Because you're fairly distributed, right, in terms yeah, of your yeah. user base? Yeah. So we're maybe it's about... Uh, 26 to 28 percent in North America. Okay. About 40 ish percent plus in Asia, Asia Pacific. Um, and then you're talking about 15 to 20 percent in the UK and the re- remaining is the rest of the Just world. Wherever. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. So for each of the geos, uh, we also optimize the subject line, when to send them and how do we actually position this. Uh, so we did a bunch of things on, on those lines. Was it dialed in for language or all in English? I know it was all in English. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Uh, I don't think we changed any language. Uh, so the questions were waiting from when did you learn to code to what do you look for when yeah. you're switching for a job? Or if you're a hiring manager, what do you look for in a candidate? So we had a wide variety of questions uh, and some really, really interesting insights. So we had we engaged a firm who could parse the data, who could do real analysis uh, on this um, and we're also likely going to put this up uh, on our website um, for all of our developers to go ahead and do the analysis with our raw data. So something might happen maybe in the next couple of quarters. Um, yeah, it was it was a really interesting insights, and we published this earlier this year. Yeah, and we got over half a million developers to so uh, to read the survey. Um, I think this was a this was a huge milestone and a and exceeded kind of at least my expectations in both the quality of the content, the design, the reception that we got. And of course, this podcast wouldn't have yeah. happened because of that. <laughs> uh, so it, it exceeded my expectations in, in all dimensions. So, all right. I guess the most important question is, what programming language is the most popular? Uh, I think it varies across different industries. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, for I think the one that people want to learn a lot is Python. And the one that's starting to get a lot more popular is Go. Uh, but it, uh, there are 
but it varies across different industries from what, what uh, financial services want versus the uh, fast-growing internet companies want versus retail, which is all of these companies are transforming into software uh, companies. Right. So each of them have a different variation of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so for a developer who's curious and sees this survey, yeah. do you kind of funnel them through a flow on your site? Like if you're interested in getting into banking, you ought to be learning X. Yeah. yeah. Is that it's a good works? question. So we are trying to do with the reverse, which is what, what do you want to learn? What language and skills do you want to learn? And then we'll help you recommend, you know, right. what, where, where can you most fit? Uh, yeah. Where do you see, wh- where do, where does HackerRank see you the best fit or the best job for you based on all the data that we've collected? Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So let, let's go through some of the facts, like yeah, some sure. of the fun facts. So, sure. um, I saw there were in the beginning of the report, it's a lot of stuff about age. Yeah. So when, when do people start learning how to program? When does it all begin? Yeah, I mean, I think the the most uh, the fun insight was one in every four developers learn to code before they learn to drive. Yeah, uh, that was a, that was a really interesting insight uh, that we were able to get, and and it's it's not super surprising for me as a developer. But when when we announced this, uh, it was it was just I think it was the most popular insider. We even started printing T-shirts and really? uh, in, in our company. Okay. Yeah, that was that was uh, that was an interesting one, and it just shows the fact that self learning is starting to become big. Um, people are learning on their own. You don't necessarily need to go to a particular school to do the, your four-year degree uh, and then understand how to code or how to build applications. And uh, it's just going to, I think, over if you just ex- extrapolate the trend line, I think this will be two and four or three and four developers will learn to code before they drive in the next decade or so. Yeah. And did you collect any data around uh, boot camps, coding boot camps? Yeah, we did. We did collect. Um, I think the uh, we collected data on how much the hiring managers or others valued the boot camps yeah. and and kind of learning. It was mixed, to be frank. Um, I think there were certain hiring managers who valued it a lot and certain hiring managers who didn't. Okay. And my guess is it probably depends on the quality of the boot camp, right? I mean, there are a lot of them who, there are, there are, there are a set of boot camps who say, you know what, come here, doesn't matter whether you know how to code or not, I'll help you become a great right. <laughs> React developer in 90 days. I mean, it's, that's not how it works, no. right? Um, and it almost seems like a negative signal for, for sometimes, which is, Oh, you didn't know how to code 90 days before, and now you're claiming that you're a React expert. You know, that, that puts me off. Um, so it, I think it depends upon the quality of boot camps. And then the, on the other extreme, you have this school, which I was personally really impressed by. It's called 42. Okay. It's a school, uh, actually PG t- tweeted about it. Um, is that the one I, it, in, it is in France. That's right. They yeah. just opened, they just opened, um, they just opened another one in Fremont where I, uh, had a chance to visit where it's, you, you of course had to take a minimum level of coding proficiency challenge or a test. Yeah. And then you are allowed to explore whatever types of, um, computer science topics that you really like and then figure out which one you have a natural attraction or a passion for, whether it's security or machine learning or a front end developer and then continue to get better at that, at that. And then we'll help you connect to the right job. So that, that seemed to be a, a different approach than, but, it, but it's than a lot massively of different, right? Because if I understand it correctly, they're giving people room and board that's and it's, and it's like and it's years free. long and it's free yeah. and it's over the course of years that's right right that's right yeah and so yeah it is it is it is very different it'll be interesting to see how that experiment works because uh i think it was started by uh, a, a really uh, a, a big billionaire in in france or something who just wants know. to help the world uh so i'm not sure how how it might 
work from a business value proposition, but at least in terms of a net improvement to the world to create more developers and to help improve technology, I think that's a that's a great start. Yeah. So I think I think that's why the boot camps are a mixed one um, from the hiring managers at least. Okay. And then what are what are the differences between you know startups hiring and big you know like Amazon type companies? Yeah, I think the one common thing was um, everybody stressed on the importance of problem solving skills okay. um, irrespective of whether you were a uh, smaller company or a, or, or a bigger company and others and uh, the one thing that the startups or the execs cared about the most because at least in a startup you maybe you, you might have a recruiter or not but most likely you're doing the recruiting on your own uh, they cared more about your contributions or your open source contributions or your profiles or portfolio uh, much more than what a large company cared about. Um, uh, but at the heart of it, people wanted strong problem solvers. And and also one of the things that was, that was present in the survey was how um, you wanted to dive in deeper on the knowledge of that particular stack, at least for a startup. Uh, because, of course, you have very low or pretty much no bandwidth to train somebody on the new stack yeah. that you're working on uh, versus a large company where you have a little more bandwidth to go ahead and train. So you're okay with a generalist who can come and learn a new language versus in a startup, I like you to know uh, the particular language or the stack before you come in. So those were some of the nuances or the differences that you can see between a startup and a large mm. company. So in terms of structuring a, a job offering to someone or rather just like a job posting, yeah. uh, what are the things that end up appealing to developers? Yeah, I mean, this was very interesting because um, I assumed differently. And of course, uh, always data over opinion. <laughs> yeah. uh, and one of the things that we learned was how work-life balance beats all of the different perks huh. uh, that people offer, whether that's free food or um, or we have a ping pong tournament every week or things along <laughs> those lines. Um, and then we, I actually didn't believe this data, uh, yeah. firstly. So we we... I wanted to do another survey for people who did the work-life balance, who actually opted in. What would you really mean by work-life balance? And what we learned was um, a lot of developers have their own projects that uh-huh. they want to learn, that they want to build on the side. And the the environment that you're working should give a good amount of balance and probably even support, if you can do, on the things that they're learning on the side or they're building on the side versus what they're doing for the company. Yeah. Uh, so that was that was kind of a interesting insight about work-life balance. And one of the things that you know I'd like to do at HackerRank, and we're still discussing on how do, how do you position this in the right ways. If you have um, any of the side projects that you're working on, yeah. we'll fund the infrastructure cost for that. Um, so it's it, we're still figuring out how do you position this, how do you how do you give this away, uh, and I'm pretty sure after people hear this podcast, they're going to email yeah. the developers at least. Uh, uh, but that's one way of helping or encouraging people to do that as well. Oh, interesting. And so, what are the other ways that companies signal that they have that work life balance figured out, or is it just like folks come in for the interview, they get a sense for it, and then they say yes or no? Yeah, that is one. But uh, but I also think if you're actively contributing to uh, open source, um, 
whether that's, I mean, for example, we are improving a lot of the open source code editors that, okay. that are there right now. Uh, we've not done a great job in letting the world know about all the improvements that we've been, we've been doing, but that's one way. And of course, interviews uh, help a lot in understanding more about the developer culture. Okay. Yeah. And, and do you guys have any rules around working on side projects? Because I know that like at larger tech companies, yeah. there are totally issues and like, you know, I don't think they really flex that muscle very often, if yeah. ever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, like, companies like apple are infamous for not letting people do side projects yeah yeah i mean uh, that's probably one of the advantages when you're small uh yeah. which is yeah, i mean as I, I i don't think we have any rules i don't think we should put any rules because it's just uh freedom or creativity to, to go ahead and do it um and frankly if it's going to be conflicting with your uh with your core idea uh and you're scared about it Maybe you should take the developer's idea and implement it. <laughs> Maybe it's better. Uh, or otherwise, you could just you you don't need to be scared, and you can just have uh, the developer work on the projects that they want. Uh, so I don't I don't think we should put any rules, but I agree. I mean, a large company like Apple uh, or Amazon or Google will uh, will need to put in constraints. Yeah, yeah. Although Google hacked this by putting a twenty percent um, uh, rule where you could. 20% of the time you can work on your projects. I think that's how Gmail was born, uh, where I think Paul Bouquet worked on his 20% free time uh, to build Gmail. Uh, so that's how they hack it. It's not really technically a side project that you do outside. You use all the Google infrastructure <laughs> and libraries and eventually contribute to Google. Uh, so that's one way you could try and do. Interesting. What else is, uh, what else is attractive to a developer? Yeah, and the other thing that we that we had on the survey was really on continuous learning. Okay. I think there are just um, there are just so many new things that come up, uh, new layers of abstraction, right. uh, uh, which is which is obviously very enticing for a developer. New frameworks. I mean, there's a framework in for JavaScript that's getting launched every month or every two months, which is kind of driving crazy because you just have to keep migrating from one hour to the other. Um, and that, that, the other thing was continuous learning. Okay. Uh, can I learn, uh, new things? Can I learn how to, how to get better? Um, so that, that is a forever learning, uh, attitude or culture. What else did you learn about how developers are actually educating themselves? So obviously some percentage are going to boot camps. Some are doing CS. What is everyone else doing? Yeah. It's, uh, it was really interesting. Even though you had a CS degree, a yeah. lot of developers, um, said they actually learned a lot from YouTube <laughs> over okay. books or sites like HackerRank. It's not a plug for HackerRank, even though I think the title might say this or whatever. <laughs> but um, but that was really interesting because that's that's a new, um, that, that's, that's going to change. That's a paradigm shift, right? Yeah. Because if you look 10 years back, and, and paradigm shift in recruiting, because if you look 10 years back, you're going to use GPAs and universities and the companies that you worked at as proxies. Yeah. But now the proxies are changing, right? It doesn't matter if you went to a great schooler and had a great GPA. If you, if you learned on your own and built a lot of things on your own, it's, uh, that, that, that is what is needed. That's all is enough. So the way that you look for in a candidate, who do you look for? How to assess? Right. How do you get people in the door? Uh, and how do you remove biases? Uh, that's been there for not 10 years. That's been there for a hundred years. So, yeah. you know, do you go to the school or do you work in this great company? How do you remove this, those bias and truly focus on the skill? I mean, it's a lot of work. It's going to, uh, but that's a big paradigm shift and it's a very good and healthy trend. If more developers can learn on their own for free, you don't right. have to pay $100,000 for tuition. Uh, it's, it's just good overall for the world to do that. Interesting. Yeah. And so how would someone stand out? Like what are the kinds of projects that end up appealing to a company? Cause I know if you do a lot of these like boot camps, like, 
great. You made your own CMS. Yeah. Like, so did 10,000 other people. Yeah. Um, did you get any insight as to, you know, when someone does care about these projects, what are the kinds of projects that appeal to companies? Yeah, I think, uh, I think it's hard to, um, uh, I, I, th- I think there's one part of it, which is uh, your sort of motivation or your drive, yeah. which, which which can really come through, which is, um, I mean, if you look at, you're right. If if you if you just forked a repo, repo and made some made a couple of edits in one file, it it really doesn't. You can't claim that you actually done contributed yeah. to open source <laughs> or anything. Uh, but I think one is one is definitely indicates a drive. Uh, the second is also, and which is probably hard to just look at a HackerRank profile or a or a GitHub or any of the profiles. And you you can't just look and figure it out. Is the depth of thinking. And what are all the things that this developer wants to do more? Uh, and that's something probably you can get from the interview. Mm-hmm. But the bigger question really is, would you be willing to bring this person on site and go through the interview process based on their skills and not on their pedigree? Uh, and it sounds obvious, but we're trying to educate our customers and yeah. everybody who are hiring developers that this is the right way to go. And we're sort of leading and pushing the movement for this uh-huh. and uh, hopefully we can be successful at that yeah cool and and how does this affect um a situation where you're hiring remote developers are there any other particular cues that you pay attention to uh yeah what do, what do people yeah say? i think i think the communication aspect is always a is always a big deal uh-huh. um how do you how do you get everybody in sync uh, I think some of the companies have done an amazing job. GitLab is a YC yeah. company. Um, I talked to their CEO and it's fully remote. <laughs> it's it's yeah. crazy how, um, uh, th- and it's, it just shows how much effort that you need to put in to make sure that, that people are in sync with each other. Uh, I, I do think, um, and, and you're seeing this happen a lot. Um, uh-huh. GitLab is just an example, but I know a lot of others, uh, a lot of other companies are starting to do this. I, I think, I think the future would be, uh, an ability for you to build out engineering teams wherever you want and not just restrict yourself to the Bay Area and and a good common connective tissue uh, that makes sure that you, things don't break because of bad communication or because of time zone differences and others. Uh, I think that's that's where the world is going to move and which means ability to know their skills and how they can contribute when when you're not in the office and all of the others is going to play a very, very important part. Like ability to understand both of this at a deeper level is going to play an important role. Yeah. And have you guys conjectured or, or started working on anything that might be able to test someone's like e- efficacy as a remote developer? Because it's one thing to have the technical chops. Yeah. It's another thing to be able to work in like a co-working space or in your bedroom or whatever. Yeah. Uh, when you're in a different time zone yeah. and like get shit done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think there are uh, there's one part which is the IQ, which is how how good are you in all of these different skills? Where do you need to improve? And the other part is EQ, which is yeah. what what your personality is. Uh, we've been doing some experiments uh, or partnerships with a couple of them, but we've not had a real breakthrough on that yet. Okay. Uh, but I do think that is going to be that's going to be helpful. I mean, the reason I'm saying that is. Um, there are a lot of companies who use HackerRank to build out remote teams in India and other parts of the globe. There is a company, which is probably familiar, Booking.com, one of the sure. most popular travel companies in Amsterdam. They are able to hire developers all over the globe using HackerRank, right? And and they're doing it in a very efficient way because they understand the skills, strengths, and weaknesses before you come on site and before you fly to Amsterdam. So I think we're starting to see this movement at least happening in a lot of companies. Um 
on the IQ part of it. And now if you can do a better job or if you can work with a partner or if you can do something even internally at HackerRank to do the EQ, uh, it can be a very strong solution. And so this is all done through programmatic exams. There aren't any in-person interviews to like assess EQ. Uh, there are some companies who are working on this programmatic way. Yeah. Um, it sounds very interesting. Uh, I'm not, I've not, um, we've not like partnered with them deeply to really <laughs> understand, uh, how, how well it'll fit in. Uh, but it's certainly a very, very interesting opportunity. Okay. So in addition to maybe figuring that out in the yeah. future, how else do you see paradigm shifts happening for developer, developers in the future? You know, obviously they'll be all over the world. Yeah. What else is going to be happening in, you know, five years? I mean, there are a couple of things. One is, um, I think it was there on Hacker News. Uh, it's the, as much as there are uh, APIs and different levels of abstraction that have made it easier to, to get things started, um, to, to set up your environment, uh, is, and, and this is for somebody who's, um, who's a newbie who's just learning to code. Uh, it's very intimidating. Uh, to, to set up something and, and get it running and compile. I mean, you could have, I, I think that's one part where things needs to get better. Um, you know, here's an environment, here's where you can go ahead and start, start to code, uh, because a lot of them give up. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, I, I did this thing online and then I tried it out on my local. It didn't work because I don't know if you, you did, you, did you have this library and there was a dependency failure and you have to go and figure it out and it just becomes a big mess and you give up for the most part. <laughs> um, so I think, I think that, that is still, uh, you know, we, we still have to do a better job if we have to increase the number of developers in the world. Yeah. Right. You can't have people giving up after their third lesson or the fifth lesson and saying, you know, it's not taking me anywhere. And also there needs to be a purpose. I mean, the purpose can't be you're going to get a hundred thousand dollar job, right? <laughs> the purpose has to be much more whatever is in your mind. You can go ahead and build it on your own, right? right? I mean, you have to encourage the fact that you can build versus I'm going to get you a six figure salary to do it. I, I think that's uh, that's one part that needs to get better if we really have to create more developers in the world. Why, why does that have to get better? Because a hundred thousand dollar salary. I mean, I agree with you, yeah. But to be devil's advocate on yeah. this, like. That's a lot of money to a lot of people. Yeah. Why does that not work? Uh, I think it, it will work. It, it will work, uh, for a subset of people, obviously. Sure. But I think in a, in a very longer term, um, the, the, the really great developers are people who did it not because they'll get a job, but because they really wanted to build something. They really wanted to get this, whatever the, the idea that they had in mind uh, out. Okay. And I worry that if you had a, uh, and this is just my hypothesis. If you had a monetary a value associated with it, um, you might just focus a lot on that and, and you will reach a ceiling pretty soon. Uh, this is just my hypothesis versus if you're, if you really fall in love with the idea of building or creating new things, uh, the ceiling is sort of infinite okay. because you can, there's always new technologies. There are always new things that you can go and build. Um, so it's more about what is the, type of uh, behavior that you're trying to create. It's like a kid. You're trying right. to get uh, into the developer world, trying to do it. Uh, what What is the type of behavior that you're trying to create and why you're doing what you're doing? Uh, so that, that, that should be... Uh, that should be taken care. And the second big bucket is really the paradigm shift that I was talking about, which is more companies should come forward and encourage and say, you know what, we're about skills. We don't care about resumes. We don't care about what school did you go to. As long as you have the skills, we'll be willing to do. I still think the proxy of your GPAs and companies exist uh, at, at a lot of companies. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that like 
people constantly disqualify themselves yeah. before they even enter a race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we see it with YC all the time. Like, you know, people are constantly asking questions like, you know, uh, I raised money. Can I do YC? Yes. Like, yeah. I haven't raised money. Can I do YC? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, like, yeah, I don't have yeah. a co-founder. Can I do YC? Yes. Yeah. And and it, you often encounter this thing where it's just like, you can just apply. Yeah. Like, you yeah. can just go for it. Yeah. And like moving things toward a more meritocratic system. Yeah that makes a huge difference. Yeah, yeah. Um, what else does a developer value in the hiring process? Not just like about a company. Yeah. What do they want out yeah. of that? I think the, uh, uh, in the counterintuitive thing, at, at least whenever I've talked to uh, a lot of companies is you should also understand that developers are interviewing you. Right. Um, it's not just a one way thing. And, uh, and developers are interviewing you in a, in a bunch of different things, right from the process, how tight and efficient are you are you actually doing their peers and and also the challenges uh, or the questions that you're asking and how deep uh, sometimes I've seen this uh, at a lot of companies. Uh, people are scared to ask hard questions because it might turn off uh, it, it might work <laughs> the other way, which is I'm wondering, is this the level? I mean, if you just ask the easy question, are oh, these the kind man. of peers yeah. or developers that I'll be working on? And of course, there's a different nuance to the hard question, right? You don't want to ask uh, a complex math problem, which has a trick answer. If you didn't know this particular formula, you, you can get it. The hard in the sense of relevant to the business, relevant to the, relevant to the job and how do you go about doing it? Yeah. The other thing that I'm starting to see happen across a lot of different companies and even HackerRank is uh, incorporated this is the business acumen, um, uh, the, the level of business acumen that you have as a developer. Huh. Usually it is, it's always developers or builders. You have this, whatever requirements or spec, you can go ahead and do it. Uh, but if you look at a lot of the great companies like Google <laughs> or uh, Facebook or others, they're all developers at the heart of it. Right. Uh, and the reason, of course, they had great products, but they also had really strong business acumen. Um, and really great developers have that. Uh, or what, what uh, I think Steve Jobs incorporated is the 10x developer have that level of very strong business acumen. So that's something that people want to know what your strategy is. People want to know how they can contribute, how what they're building helps in the business strategy. Oftentimes, we think it's just about users who are using and MAUs yeah. and, and others. But no, if, uh, I like to know how we're building the company. And that's something that we're trying to do a lot. Uh, and something that you should do in the interview process as well is my recommendation. Interesting. So in other words, like ask questions about product, not just technical stuff. Uh, yeah, and, and about the business strategy. And you should you should be able to uh, challenge uh, HackerRank or challenge the company on, you know, why are you doing this? And uh, here is a different idea. Here is, here's another thing that you can do better. Oh, yeah. man. Now yeah. you're just stressing people out. Like uh, more stuff to prep for. Yeah, could be. <laughs> but I think it's fun. Uh, because I like it, but yeah. yeah because you, you can just sit in a, whatever, like, it's like yeah. the armchair critic. You know, you can say, oh, why did you enter this geography? <laughs> I think that's a bad move or why well, your business plan edition is not uh, is conflicting with your free user edition i mean you can have you can have a good conversation and 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 frankly the the uh, and here is i mean all, all of these things are um the nuances are super important which is it doesn't matter the the questions that the candidate asks whether that's the right or the wrong thing for the business, you have to judge the quality of thinking. Right. It could be completely off yeah. from your business strategy that you would actually implement because you have way more data and you've been in this, doing this for six years or something on those lines. But it's the quality of thinking and how do you, what's the framework of asking questions that you should be judging people on? Yeah. Gotcha. And I found those questions and developers really be 
at a much higher productivity uh, at, at our company. Yeah. What about the uh, the brain teasers? Are they still in fashion? Do, do developers like them at all? No, I, I think I think it's it's not, we shouldn't be using that. It's uh, I don't know who created that. Some know, yeah. some company created that. Clearly, uh, I have to go back and look at the history. It's probably like McKinsey or something. Uh, yeah, it could be like. right. Uh, it is. Um, I think. Um, I think the underlying. Uh, uh, underlying goal is the right one, which is basically they're trying to think about the computational thinking, which is, I don't know how many tennis balls will fit in a Boeing right, uh, yeah. 747. I think they're trying to, again, this is the question, right? They're trying to figure out the quality of your thinking. How do you think about it? How do you, uh, what kind of, uh, what kind of data that you will analyze or how do you, what, how do you structure the problem? How do you break, break it down into sub problems and go ahead and do it? But I think there are better ways that you can, assess the computational thinking or the problem solving skills, which is interesting because that's what the hiring managers care about uh, the most in a much more developer friendly, coding friendly way of helping people do that. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So in, in closing, um, I'm curious about your experience as a founder hiring developers. Like we've handled, we've covered a bunch of stuff for like, if you're a company, this is how you hire your like 1000 and first developer. Yeah. But if it's just you and your co-founder and you raise a little bit of money or you're you're making enough money that you can finally hire someone yeah what are the stuff what are the things you're thinking about what are the things you're testing for early on yeah i think uh uh peter thiel uh talked about this uh i think maybe one of the podcasts or one of the interviews uh which is the way paypal got built was they went and hired people who who the others thought weren't qualified, <laughs> but actually they were really, really good because yeah. they didn't have the traditional degree or the traditional background in doing it. I think the first 20 people or so at PayPal were were very much on those lines. That's kind of how we at least built the first five to 10 hires of developers. And it's really helped us a lot. If you, if you look at it, I mean, Hari and I didn't go to the IITs, which is the equivalent of Stanford. And, you know, the first five to 10 developers that we hired were people who were very smart, who were very skilled. And it's almost this quote unquote untapped pool. Yeah. And it's the secret source that we have. <laughs> and, and then that really set Everything, right, from their motivation and drive to do great things. I mean, the first engineers are still with our company and doing amazing things, Akshay wow. and Shiv. And they are, they're doing some great things right now. They're leading a team. They're managing a team. And the motivation and the drive to do uh, really great things, the ability to learn, the ability to assess, making sure that the peer or whoever is going to join the company is as good or better than them. Um, all of that has helped a lot. And, and I feel that's a, uh, that's an important thing that um, I, I come back to this whole proxy thing. Yeah. The current ways of doing proxy on GPAs and, and degrees is bad. And you would have to figure out your first 10 people almost from that untapped pool. I think it helps a lot in your drive and motivation for the long term. That's just my hypothesis, but I just have one data point from HackerRank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I agree with you, but like the short answer is that you have to do the work to find the great people. Yeah. And yeah. it's like in that arbitrage of, you don't have the right credentials, yeah. but you have all the skills, yeah. so you're worth working. Yeah. Also, I think the uh, I think at some level people should be really passionate about the mission, and um, and you, you and again the, again the nuance comes here, right? Which is you can't expect somebody to be more passionate than you. That that's never going to happen. But as long as they have a uh, they have a real feel or connect, you know what we need to solve this problem, and here are some of the ways that you can actually do it. Uh, you know, that's another thing that you need to test in the first and developers. Awesome. Yeah. All right, man. Well, thanks for coming in. Yeah. Thank you for having me. All right. Thanks for listening. 
So as always, you can find the transcript and the video at blog.ycombinator.com. And if you have a second, it would be awesome to give us a rating and review wherever you find your podcast. See you next time.